Today, my guest is Professor Zeynep Aycan. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with her. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Zeynep as a person. Professor Aycan is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I will skip my, many of her accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Aycan is a fellow of the Association for Psychological Sciences and the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology, SIOP. She received the 2016 American Psychological Association Global Psychology Book Award, the 2019 Best Paper Award from the Human Resource Management Journal, and the 2015 Management and Leadership Textbook of the Year Award from the Chartered Management Institute. The 2019 Gordon Allport Intergroup Relations Prize by Study of Social Issues and the Caroline Dexter Award from the AOM. She's a member of the Science Academy of Turkey and the prestigious Tübitaka Science Award in 2014. Thank you, Zeynep, for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. First question, what did you want to become when you were a child? Um, it's hard to say, uh, Ulgas, because I didn't have any, any specific profession in mind, but I can tell you that I was a very, very curious child, extremely curious, and I um, was uh, investigative in my approach. I mean, I, I, I loved uh, puzzles, uh, not, not really jigsaw puzzles only, but any, any type of puzzle, any type of kind of a suspense issues, you know, a lot of investigative issues, you know, keep, uh, keep uh, coming back to me. Um, so I think these days they say inquisitive mind. I think that's what, you know, can summarize my childhood. For example, I used to cut the seeds of plants to see what is inside them, or occasionally my father used to bring um, uh, different uh, internal parts of animals as delicacies. So for example, I used to cut the kidneys. I used to cut the brain <laughs> of animals and what have you to see what is inside. So I remember these things. I also enjoyed, uh, enjoyed knowing about how, people live in different parts of the world, especially I was very much intrigued by, by Aboriginal people for some reason, I don't know. I had few books about, uh, you know, um, Aboriginal family interacting with kids, you know, these were children books and what have you. Of course, I didn't know how to read at the time, but I, I keep looking at them, looking at their pictures. I was fascinated by their, you know, interaction with, uh, among themselves, um, uh, how they treat nature, how nature is part of their identity. Um, I don't know. I mean, these were, these were some signs, maybe early signs about what I became, maybe. And where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, in in Turkey, in Istanbul. Istanbul. But um, I I uh, I had an other identity. I, I'm one of the hyphenated identity uh, people with hyphenated identities. I became Canadian Canadian citizen while doing my PhD, and I'm very very proud of that identity as well. So I'm Turkish Canadian, but for the most part, I was uh, born and raised and educated in in Turkey, and did my PhD and postdoc in in Canada. Very interesting. Uh, what is the earliest point of domestic versus international difference? You, you mentioned you're looking at uh, uh, native societies and you say like, oh, this is a different culture. What was the first moments that you remember? Interesting. I mean, uh, I was a child um, of parents, um, you know, my, my, my mom was um, British, my, my dad was Pakistani, 
Only they weren't actually, they weren't, but uh, it felt like they were. I mean, later on, you know, as I, as I understood uh, differences in cultures, I now kind of label them as, you know, one being British, the other being Pakistani because the, the cultural differences was, was that much. Um, and, you know, as a child, I was able to observe those differences and there were, you know, it wasn't about personality type of differences, even at an early age, I, I, I gathered that they weren't, it wasn't a personality type of difference, they were very well educated, both of them, uh, you know, graduates of, of university economics department, they were um, urban, actually, but coming from one coming from the uh, Western part of Turkey, the other coming from the Eastern part of Turkey. And I, as a child, always observed the kind of the East-West difference, so to speak, individualism, collectivism, you know, later on, of course, I, I was able to label them, label in a way like, you know, make sense uh, of, of, of those interactions or, or different patterns of behavior as individualism and collectivism. So, um, it was it was within my family. I, I actually experienced cross cultural differences, even though my my parents did not come from different countries or different countries, but definitely different cultural backgrounds or yeah cultural backgrounds within Turkey, uh, regional differences, um, and I considered them as, as as a cross cultural difference. It was a cross cultural family, literally in my mind. Now that now I reflect back and I definitely, uh, you know, still uh, label them as a cross-cultural couple. They're alive. Yeah, I still do. Fascinating. I mean, not many people can pinpoint it so clearly. I mean, yeah, cross-cultural yeah. study is basically started when you were a child. This is fascinating. Um, how did you choose academia and how did you choose a particular area in academia? So that you know, in, in my university years, I was uh, one of my my courses was cross cultural psychology by late Chidam uh, Kachubashu, who is a who was a very well known um, cross cultural psychologist, uh, very you know world renowned. Actually, uh, she passed away uh, three years ago. She was my mentor, actually. So that was it. Was it was her course. Um, as I said, like it, is the, it was the course of, of, of cross-cultural psychology. And at the very first week, I had this aha moment. I said, this is it. This is exactly what I want to do. This is exactly what I'm experiencing in my family, uh, in my environment, you know, inter, you know, two families actually interacting with each other. Also people around me, you know, when I look at the differences of behaviors and values and, you know, norms and what have you, I said, you know, okay, so like culture is something that, uh, that makes sense out of these differences uh, and interaction patterns and sometimes conflicts and what have you. So that was it. That was it, Ilgaz. Chidam's uh, class, I said, this is it. This is absolutely what I want to do in, in, with my life. Perfect. Something that is not on your CV that uh, some people might find interesting, uh, something unique about yourself. Um, <laughs> I think I think uh, pretty much people know about me, but um, I 
I don't know. I, I'm 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 very much interested in arts. Uh, I have different hobbies related to hard arts. Um, I also try to be uh, connected to my inner self. Uh, I had uh, been practicing uh, mindfulness meditation uh, for for many years since I was 18, actually. So I think that is not written in my CV, and it's part of a big part of who I am. Perfect. And if you stop doing uh, what you're doing today. What's the second best alternative career path for you? I mean, it should be definitely arts because uh, artists are, um, you know, they they need to be in touch with their inner self, their deeper self, the inner core uh, to, uh, to, to produce art. Actually, everybody has to, but in their case, or in the case of the, the career of art, uh, they're free to do so. Let's put it that way. Uh, they're free-minded, free-spirited. Uh, they're not constrained by, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, any 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 limitations, any norms surrounding their profession and what have you. Uh, I love their free-spirited um, nature. Uh, I love their connectedness with themselves and creativity, of course. I mean, free freedom to, to, to be creative is something that I absolutely envy. So that would have been my alternative career. Any, any, any kind of art or art form I would like to exercise. I do it as a hobby, but I wanted to uh, be a proper artist for sure. Perfect. Uh, regrets, have you got any regrets? I don't think so. I mean, I might have. I mean, um, I I wish maybe I double majored in anthropology, uh, doing what I do. Uh, it, it would have been an excellent um, source of wisdom coming from anthropology if I had properly studied it rather than just reading about it. I would have also uh, maybe liked to do my master's uh, in um, cultural studies, interdisciplinary field of cultural studies. Uh, it would have made me a more uh, well-versed re- and uh, well-rounded person, uh, scholar and person, I think. So, uh, I wish I wish I had the, the formal trainings in, in, in these fields. Okay. Learning from failure. Uh, what was your biggest failure or one of the failures and what did you learn from it? I had I had a lot of failures actually as a child. I wasn't a star performer at school. I was okay. I was okay. I, I didn't officially failed any classes or any, you know, I didn't repeat any years and what have you, but I was a kind of a mediocre performer at school. Uh, well, mainly because the, the, the constraints of the system and the, you know, the, the, the harshness of competition and uh, uh, assessments, uh, assessment approaches did not really fit me well anyways. So I had a lot of failures. I had, I wasn't able to get into the university in the first year of entry and you know did not perform well in standardized tests and what have you um yeah the i mean ac- academically uh I, I experienced failures and also of course in the professional life as an academician receiving rejections of course is, is <laughs> part of our life obviously that i experienced a lot and i still do uh but i think uh I, I think one of the major, I, I mean, looking back, I don't consider them as failures uh, now. Uh, it was a learning opportunity, growing opportunity. Of course, these are all things that we know, but I think my, my biggest mistake, I wouldn't say maybe failure, but mistake was judging my self-worth via these failures or via the successes or via my professional identity, uh, thinking that it is who I am. 
which I realized that it wasn't actually. So that is that was the biggest mistake uh, of we all fall into. And uh, my current attempt, of course, or my current, what is the word? My current effort is to understand that uh, this is not who I am and this is not who you are and this is not who anybody is actually. So confining myself with, with those identities, um, work identity, family identity, uh, thinking that it is, uh, you know, the, the, these are the things that define me, which I now realize that it, it perfect. Isn't. And something that you're most proud of? I think I'm proud of uh, having this very strong inner compass, if, if it makes sense. I mean, I, I don't know how, how, how it come about, but I do have a very strong inner compass. I am, I think, able to navigate my life according to my own inner compass. Uh, it's hard to define sometimes. Uh, and therefore, I'm not easily, uh, I don't easily get distracted by uh, the imposed norms of uh, the society, of the family, or of, of the academia, for example. It, so, like Sinatra said, you know, I, I, you know, at the end of my life, I wish I, I would also be able to say I did it my way because that's exactly what I have been doing. Uh, so I think I'm quite proud of that. Uh, I also don't pay much attention to the outcome of outcomes of my work. It can be failures, it can be successes. I have a growth mindset. Uh, you know, using uh, Carol Dweck's uh, terminology, I have a growth mindset. I, I really seek um, learning rather than like any outcome that mm. I can have or I cannot have, it's much less important for me. And I'm, I'm quite pleased with that. Beautiful. Uh, let, let's switch to, to research. And sure. uh, the first question that I ask is, imagine yourself stranded in a pub, locals don't know about you, they are curious uh, what, what you do. Uh, and they're asking, they're, they're asking questions. So how do you explain yourself? what you work on, and how you explain why, why this research is important. What do you say? What is your research about? This is a kind of a tough question because I do uh, research in different uh, domains. Uh, they all involve cross-cultural you know, comparisons, but um, a, mainly in three, three areas I do research. Uh, the impact of culture on human resource management practices, one, the other is um, leadership, and the third one is uh, work-life balance. So, and I was quite liberal, uh, if I can say, like, as I said, uh, you know, following my inner, uh, inner uh, compass, I was just uh, doing research on whatever issue that I was interested in. So they look very... Um, uh, patchy, if you like, they look unrelated to one another. But you know, at the twenty-fifth year of my career, let's let's uh, let's put it that way. When I reflect back and see all of these different things that I do, I think the um, the common thread among them is empowerment. I think uh, I'm. I, I would like to call myself a, a, an empowerment uh, researcher. Uh, why is this important to me? Because it is, um, it is, it is about discovering the power of uh, of individual. Basically, um, knowing how powerful you are, 
um, to shape your life, to shape the environment that you're in. Uh, you know, it's about self-leadership, basically, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I would say empowerment uh, in, all, in all areas, that is, uh, that is the underlying theme. Not very Perfect. visible, uh, but it's what I, I, I believe to be. Zeynep, I want to ask uh, two related questions. One is, uh, what are the omitted variables in uh, international business, international management research related to your area, cross-cultural management, obviously? Yeah. Uh, and what's the next five to 10 years of the field? What, what are going to be the next big questions uh, for junior faculty, for, uh, for the PhD students to work on? So I think, um, uh, so cross-cultural management, okay, so this is, this is uh, my, my main area, let's, uh, let's put it that way, and in, in, in there, of course, um, lots of developments have happened, wonderful, um, uh, you know, steps have been taken to identify, you know, the ways in which different cultures uh, differ. The ways in which cultures differ. Fine. I mean, there are there are many uh, theoretical frameworks or models to identify dimensions, so-called dimensions of culture, along which um, you know human societies differ. Uh, that's wonderful. We we now I think have a very good idea as to you know in what ways we differ. Uh, but we don't know what to make out of these differences quite, quite yet. Uh, in other words, we don't know how to manage these differences. What happens when that interface between two uh, culturally different individuals or uh, groups or organizations, for example, come together? Uh, we, we don't have uh, sufficient uh, know-how uh, in this area. I think this, is, this should be the next thing uh, for us to, to discover. We need to develop models. We need to develop, develop uh, conceptual frameworks or theories to, to, to uh, describe um, the modes uh, of this interface among individuals from different cultures. And the other thing that I think we should invest uh, invest on much more in the in the age of um, uh, Anthropocene, especially, is the green behavior, uh, green behavior, green leadership across cultures. Uh, we cannot. I mean, no no scientific inquiry, not only in business but across the board. No scientific inquiry can afford to skip this question anymore. I mean, we're beyond the point where uh, we can, uh, you know, we can just skip, uh, you know, uh, environmental issues. We just cannot. Mm -hmm. So I think as cross-cultural management scholars or IB, IB scholars, we need to understand the green behavior in organizations. How about the process of creativity? Uh, mm. I usually ask this question, what does your mind think of when it wanders freely in a state of mm -hmm. idle curiosity? Uh, where do these ideas come from? How, 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 do, your, how do your ideas come from? Or, or where, where do they come from? Uh, this is what I all, always advise my students. You know, they, when they try to, or junior faculty for that matter, when they, when they try to uh, find a topic for study, they 
typically look at the literature. They say, oh, John, let me, uh, John means teacher, by the way. Oh, let me, uh, you know, uh, read the literature and come back and let's, you know, then we talk about my dissertation topic and what have you. I say, okay, don't do that uh, first. Uh, first, um, observe, observe your environment, observe, um, observe things around you, especially with relation to working, lives of working people. Uh, and what intrigues you? What is counterintuitive to you? Okay, never mind if it is in the literature or not. Okay, never mind if it is previously studied or not. Even if it's not studied previously, it's all the better actually. So don't worry about, you know, you cannot find anything in the literature about it. That's exactly where you should pursue your research to fill this gap. But just look around and try to find counterintuitive behaviors. Counterintuitive in the sense that uh, it's not captured in the literature. It's not linear. It is something, um, you know, it's something counter to the to the causality that you have in mind for example try to find those episodes it can be from the movies that you watch it can be from the um, internet surf or uh, social media interaction it doesn't matter where it comes from but first of all you know find those interesting very um, original original in the sense of counterintuitive ideas but also those among those which which ones are close to your heart which ones are personally uh, uh, appealing to you. So that's where the creativity comes from. In, in other words, I want my students to say, uh, to find areas uh, where people uh, would not uh, dare to uh, talk about. And I want them to say, hey, the king is naked, you know, the king is naked. And that hasn't been said by, by anyone before. I dare to say it because it is true. I may be the only one to say it, but I'm saying it. So that's where creativity comes from to me. Zeynep, I'm curious. Uh, among all the papers you've written, the books you've written, the, the talks you've given, which one was the most favorite one? The one that you would think of it as like your child, uh, your firstborn, the most precious one? Which favorite was... to me or, or favorite to the audience? Favorite to you. Know. Favorite to me. I think paternalistic leadership, Ulgas, uh, because it was uh, it was counterintuitive. It was counterintuitive in the sense that I uh, I think I was maybe one of the few because at the time myself and one other uh, group of Chinese scholars uh, were working on paternalistic leadership, and we were saying like you know quite uh, unknown to one another uh, independently, we were arguing that uh, this is an effective uh, leadership in some cultural context. Uh, so, yeah, I think that would be my first child. Perfect. Uh, let's switch to mentoring and advice section. Sure. Uh, I normally ask about what you learned. What was the best advice you received from your mentor? And um, uh, what was the best advice you received when you were growing up, when you were uh, being a scholar? Uh, about scholarship, about being a professor. Um. This is this is interesting, and I don't want to. Uh, 
I don't want to imply that I didn't have mentors. I did. Uh, Chidam was one of them. John Berry was my PhD advisor, another one. Uh, Rabbi Kaningo. Uh, and later on in my professional life, I uh, had the opportunity to work with Nancy Adler very closely. So she was, I consider my, I adopted her as my mentor actually <laughs> later on anyways. So they were all wonderful, wonderful people. But um, I, 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 they had a more, more like a laissez-faire approach in their leadership or mentorship to me let's let's put it that way they did not um how should i i mean i don't want to sound like you know they didn't uh guide me or anything but they they gave me the space they gave me the space to to do self-discovery to do self-learning and i do consider myself as a self-taught person um so did I receive an advice that I can never forget? I don't think so. I pr probably don't think so. Maybe they, they trusted me so much. They didn't interfere with what I do, how I grow. Um, they were just excellent role models. That's that, I mean, their life was my biggest advice. Their, their work, their integrity their personality, their creativity, their courage was my best advice. Beautiful. And uh, in your experience, looking at the junior faculty or the students, special students, uh, what are some of the top common mistakes that you see? Um, things that they do that they shouldn't. Mm. Therefore, the advice that you will give to uh, young scholars. Uh, I think nowadays uh, young people in general are more uh, are more mm, mature uh, compared to what I I was at their age at their stage uh, to receive feedback. So I love their 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 maturity level of maturity to receive feedback to receive negative feedback to receive criticism to self reflect and you know uh, and what have you. So this is wonderful. So uh, I admire them for doing so. But of course, the ongoing problem, uh, I think, uh, which is, you know, I think it is a it is a problem in our in our field in our profession, which is being an academic is um, the pervasive imposter syndrome among us pervasive uh, imposter syndrome thinking that we're never enough, we don't know enough, the other person knows much better than we do, we can never be like this, like, like, like you, like me, you know, stuff like that. So uh, that is, I mean, if, if they need to work on something, I would recommend that they work on their imposter syndrome because this is a big barrier to their um, creativity to just letting go and getting connected with the uh, deep uh, knowledge, uh, you know, that they can get. Uh, because that, that gives them a lot of worry and worry is, uh, or, or anger, self-anger. Uh, and and these, are, these are counterproductive things, unfortunately. So, but uh, yeah, that's their, their biggest mistake. That's our biggest mis problem and mistake, if you like, um, pitfall uh, that we fall all the time. Yeah, I would say, work on them. But it's reasonable. The expectation is reasonable. I mean, I, I'm interviewing, for example, I interviewed two of my mentors. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is the one of the biggest names in IV, the other one is the biggest names in strategy. Uh, 
they average uh, a citation a minute. <laughs> so, sure. you know, how can you reach that? You know, you, you feel inadequate uh, sure. quite often. Last question. Uh, what should I, uh, what should I have uh, asked you about heaven so far? Um, you could have asked, uh, let's see, like, for, because we, we, we typically, I mean, you know, uh, people who are, in, in any leadership position, organizational leadership, academic leadership, you know, mentorship and what have you, typically uh, talk about how they develop others and, uh, you know, how they mentor others and what have you. Uh, but uh, nobody really talks about how do you develop? How do you, um, how do you grow? What do you do to invest in your own growth, ongoing mm -hmm. growth? I mean, there is this, idea that okay you're you're done okay so you're so successful you're done you cannot learn anymore you're just um, you know basically do whatever you want to do and nobody thinks that we we you know we keep growing we keep learning new things we keep uh, stretching our um, uh, boundaries and what have you and challenging ourselves we keep doing that so uh, that would have been a question how do you keep uh, evolving, how do you keep developing? How do you keep um, growing professionally and personally? Would that have been a great question? Oh, here you go. I'm asking you. Ah, another time I can tell you. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Zeynep. My pleasure. Uh, thank I you. learned a lot. I'm sure the others will agree with me. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks. Bye.